Welcome to Westworld FM, a podcast about HBO's Westworld. My name is Alex. And my name is Nick. Today we will be discussing episode three of the show titled The Stray. While we will not be discussing any next time on information from the show, we will be spoiling through this whole episode as well as the previous episodes in the series. So if you have not watched them yet, please hit pause and go check out the episode and uh, the series before listening to the rest of this podcast. You can find more of our episodes at westworld.fm. We're also Westworld FM on Twitter, and you can send feedback to westworldfm at gmail.com to tell us what you think of our show and share your thoughts on HBO's Westworld so we can read them on the air. Send us corrections, observations, or anything regarding Westworld, our, our podcast, much like our friend from Switzerland, Anne Katrine, did uh, this past week. She said, hey guys, listening from Switzerland and really enjoying your podcast so far. Thank you. Uh, I had thought about William checking into the Westworld place. After he gets dressed, the host lady mentions two walls of cowboy hats. One is black, the other white. I might be mistaken, but I think she asked him something like, what will you choose? For me, me, maybe the cowboy cowboy hats are an indication for what the guests are up to in the park. Like guests with black hats playing evil playthrough, while guests in white hats are playing the normal vanilla playthrough. It kind of made me think of Fallout, where you can play evil and go around making evil choices, or the Red Dead game, where your evil actions add to your notoriety. It was just a thought, especially after sleazy Logan, friend of William, wore a black hat and was pretty much just into debauchery. Plus, the man in black wears the black hat. Uh, and then, let's see, I'm going to skip over that part because we're going to maybe throw it into our spoilery-ish uh, section of the show. And then, uh, personally, she says, personally, when I do a playthrough of my favorite video games, I rarely go off the choices I made originally. I also don't like hurting NPCs. So maybe if the above-mentioned theory goes up, that would be so dope, which we'll talk about later, something bad will happen uh, to a certain character and turn him evil. So, keep up the great show. Looking forward to Monday. Kind regards. Thank you, and katrine Thank you. All the way from Switzerland. That's awesome. Yeah, I think there's even something in this episode. Logan references that that William is just doing white hat shit, I think is what he calls it. Oh, really? Do you remember that? I don't. Uh, there's some kind of line where he refers to the fact that William is interested in all these stupid white hat things. <laughs> He's a white hat? Yeah. A red so shirt? <laughs> it's almost like that's kind of implied, but it's not. It, I, when I look at the NPCs, quote unquote, all the, ho- all the hosts in the park, I think... Teddy wears a black hat. Most of them seem to trend towards darker colored hats, yeah. brown or black. Yeah, so I, I don't necessarily know that it means anything for the hosts, but it seems like it might mean something for the guests. A white hat would really pop. Yeah. I, I don't think we've really seen anybody that's that, uh, that's that stand out in terms of the, yeah. the hosts. Yeah, so yeah, I mean, I, I think it, symbolically it might mean something or it might yeah. even mean something in the show depending on on what logan said i wish i had that quote handy but uh yeah no i i think it's an interesting thought um so thank you anna for writing in yes thank you we she, continue with the uh video game parallels yeah absolutely the good playthrough absolutely. the bad playthrough uh we got two other pieces of feedback but i will bring them up in their respective places in the uh in the episode breakdown Ooh. so let's stay get tuned. into that yes yeah, stay tuned uh first up we've got dolores and bernard having another chat um he presents her with a gift of alice in wonderland and has her read it and we kind of learn that he's been showing her books that are about transformation uh do you have any thoughts on this particular part of the episode uh i'm i'm really intrigued to know where these lie chronologically 
Yeah. They feel they still these ep- most of the episodes seem to open with Doris or uh, Dolores and there's so- something's like making me feel that we're seeing some something definitely out of order like some shuffle is going on chronologically. I don't know so much by the end of this episode that I feel that way anymore. Cuz the way that the way that I see that and I guess this is getting ahead of, of where we are in the episode, but the conversation that Ford has with Bernard very directly affects one of those meetings with Dolores. And I feel like that like solidly places it in the timeline to me. But we can talk about it when, when we get there, I guess. But we did have another, uh, our, our friend Nancy wrote in, uh, she said, what a great episode. I'm impressed by how much deeper we are going into this world, and we're only three episodes in. Everything with Bernard and Dolores is fascinating. Also learning that Arnold and F- about Arnold and Ford's relationship and Arnold's desk- death. I feel Bernard is the key to, all, to shifting all the hosts into more sentient beings. Learning about his son who had died is crucial, and I had reread the quote he showed Dolores from Alice in Wonderland. Uh, and she included... Uh, most of the quote here, dear, dear, how queer everything is today. And every, and yesterday things went on just as usual. I wonder if I've been changed in the night. And then the rest of the quote she gave us, uh, from, from, uh, Goodreads, I think, let me think, was I the same as when I got up this morning? I almost think I can remember feeling a little different, but if I'm not the same, the next question is who in the world am I? Ah, that's the great puzzle. And, uh, Dolores repeats that quote as well. Uh, Nancy says, this seems so crucial to what the show is about. What does it mean to be human? Arnold devised his pyramid composed of memory, improvisation, and self-interest. What will the missing link? Was the missing link free will? Looking forward to hearing your discussion. I really love that. Uh, I agree that the, uh, the question of what, what does it mean to be human, but also I think even simpler is just who, who am I? Who yeah. are you? Cause a lot of these characters, uh, the hosts, who who they are is is just a matter of who do they need to be according, what are they, what are they to be according to someone else yeah. what do they need them for and like we saw in this episode teddy our, even our perception as the audience of teddy like who is he we thought right away in the pilot oh he's like the the gallant chiseled you know gunfighter heart of gold type guy and in the end he's just kind of a just kind of a punk to be there for, uh, as Anthony Hopkins says, as, uh, as Ford says in this episode, I've got to stop doing that. I've got to stop <laughs> calling them by, by their actor name. Uh, as Ford says, they're, they're there in case a, a guest thinks they want to gun him down and steal the, steal the girl, that yeah. kind of thing. And so Teddy was not there to be a hero or to be some courageous fellow. He's there to, to get shot. And uh, we see him get shot a lot yeah. prior to this episode. And now he's needed to be something else. And we still don't even really know what. It's really interesting. They... The episode summary says something to the effect of Teddy gets, he's given a new purpose, uh, and they make such a point of pointing that out in the in the description. I thought that was really interesting. I'm yeah, like, why? well, it seems like he's looping them into the beginnings of whatever Ford's big storyline is, yeah. and and so we don't really know how that plays out as of yet, as we've only seen him just getting devoured by the again yeah, yeah devoured Teddy once gets again. killed again <laughs> yeah and doesn't doesn't he oh yeah in ford's uh discussion with him he says he's must have he's died thousands of times or something like that yeah. like he's just there to die yeah and it's crazy yeah he quit and ford has a quote about shakespeare and and how shakespeare thinks that cowards like cowards only die or something like that but then he's like well he clearly hasn't met you teddy you've died right a thousand times yeah a lot of shakespeare there's yeah. been a Shakespeare reference in every episode, probably more than one. Yeah. A lot that are probably flying over my head. Yeah. 
I'm not very well versed in Shakespeare. I like the looping in some of the classic, like Alice in Wonderland seems to be referenced in so many works because it's such a unique and puzzling yeah. and kind of terrifying story. I'm waiting for them to loop in some of the other stuff like Wizard of Oz and some of the other things that seem to get referenced a lot. Yeah. Even if they, <laughs> like, it'd be weird for them to like loop in some Isaac Asimov or something, but it's clearly in that ballpark. So. Sure. All right, so uh, then we see Dolores with the gun in her house. Uh, she hears Do You Remember in her head once again, and the man in black, uh, she, she flashes back to the man in black assaulting her, and he says, let's get reacquainted. And uh, she sees the gun in her dresser drawer, and then when she kind of comes back from that flashback, the gun disappears. Did you get anything out of that? I didn't quite understand what it was trying to show. Uh, that's interesting. I didn't. I didn't really realize that it wasn't there so much as she just hit it. Well, she like she takes it out of the of the um, of the drawer, I believe, and then places it back in. Sees herself in the mirror, and then starts flashing back to the man in black. And then when she comes back, she goes to put the tablecloth back in that drawer, and the gun is oh, gone. It's, yeah, that's right. It's not there. Yeah. So I was like, I don't. That's why I'm even more convinced there's something going on <laughs> something with Doris's chronology on. that we don't really know about. I called her Doris yeah. again. Dolores. 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 Yeah. Dolores. Uh, you have a friend named Doris, so. <laughs> I do. I don't have any friends named Dolores. Uh, yeah, it's really interesting. I think that whatever's going on with Dolores is, is really strange. And, but compounded by the, 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 the fact that we know that she's been around the, potentially the longest of everybody. She's... Yeah. The idea of feeling all these echoes of your past lives is has got me. I love it. I think it's really cool, and I'm just I'm anxious. Well, to, I guess that's the out. weird thing is that it's not as though everything that we've seen her flash back to has kind of been in the time that we've seen her, or so we think. Yeah, that's true. So that that to me is the strange thing. Whereas, we're, like with Maeve, she's been flashing back to a previous storyline. Like, has Dolores been playing the same role for 30 years? Maybe. Who knows? She's just that good at it. Yeah. Well, yeah, the man in black in the pilot, he does say when he sees her, he he remarks on some changes they've made to her. He said something about, like, they've put a little put a little more meat on you or something like that. Yeah. But other than that, he seems to a- anticipate her being there. Yeah. Also, in the flashback she has with him, he's he's got the knife again. And the same as he did in the flashback with Maeve. And I think that he's potentially been dissecting a lot of these people to figure, mm. to look looking for either that map or something else. He's always coming at these women uh, with with the knife, with the knife. And, and even you know not just the women, but Kissy and whoever else he's gone after. Yeah. Previously. I don't know. Also, the uh, I think it was that part. I think there's more than one. Do you remember that she hears in this episode? But some of them sound exactly like Bernard, and some of them sound like another voice. Yeah, and either this one or another one later in the episode was definitely somebody else's voice and it's, not Jeffrey Wright. It's been really hard for me to put a finger on it because I remember the first time that it happens in episode two, it sounds a little bit. It sounded like Peter to me, like Peter yeah, Abernathy. It sounded different. Yeah, so it's I don't know. I, there's someone but by I, the end of this episode, you kind of assume that maybe that's the bicameral mind that they're talking about, like about how she is her because she is potentially conscious, right? She is hearing God, quote unquote. But the like, what the person who's saying these things, I feel like has it's been edited in a way for us to think that it's somebody around her. I think I think there one of them in this episode was undoubtedly Jeffrey Wright. Like he's yeah. very distinct. 
but there was another one that I thought thought instantly that was not Jeffrey Wright. Who is this? And I think it's Arnold, or it's something to do with Arnold because yeah. we get introduced to this mystery of Arnold, mm-hmm. and it's uh, I can't wait I can't wait for more of that to unfold. This yeah. is a real like kind of I get kind of a weird Bioshock kind of vibe from that whole story with this. Those like, are the two game the two games that Jonathan Nolan and Lisa Joy have brought up in interviews are Red Dead Redemption and Bioshock. Oh. That's awesome. Well, yeah. I'm a little proud of myself. Like, yeah, for, there you go. For pulling that out. You intuited it without uh, reading it like like most people have. I think that's... Uh, yeah, I'm, tr- I'm trying not to do any reading on the show. Like, you mentioned the subreddit to me off, off the air. You're like, have you been on it? And I was like, no. And I didn't, didn't even occur to me to do it, Yeah. to go uh, diving in there. And I did last week. I went and found the subreddit and I read a couple topics and they were things that you and I had pretty much talked about, but I really didn't go too far. And I was like, I don't, I don't really want to know, which is probably like bad hosting duty to not nah, i don't think so because it, like as you said uh for those of you who don't know we recorded the whole episode last time after i had talked to nick about these these uh deeper theories that fans are throwing out there and then afterwards nick had kind of been like man i kind of wish you didn't tell me <laughs> so that's why i put that message at the top of the last episode oh i haven't listened to your message yet yeah no but I, and say so uh, nick's big cry baby <laughs> and that you're, no it's basically just like the, this episode contains thoughts on the show that could alter the way that you watch it so please skip over it if you don't want that to happen to you and so um I I feel as though a lot of the stuff that people are being like there's a conversation happening about this on Twitter between people who are watching the show and they're all saying that the show is definitely beckoning all of these questions that are happening but to me it's kind of um especially after this episode I felt like I watched it in a way that and and the things that it told me kind of made me feel that maybe everybody else is reading too much into these things. Cause there's a big theory that Westworld isn't even on earth and like all kinds of other things that are just kind of like crazy moonshots about like who knows what's going well, on. Yeah. Or does that, does it matter? Yeah. It doesn't matter. Them. And I think Jonathan Nolan came out and was like, you might figure out by the end of the season where this place is, but in the end it doesn't matter to the story that we're telling. Like all you need to understand is that it's hard for people to get a signal where they are and that everybody has to use the vidcom room because they're protecting the intellectual property of their park. Yeah, that's all I took that as. Yeah. So, you know, I I don't necessarily think it's bad hosting duty to not read into everybody's wild well, Crack even even theories. beyond hosting hosting duties, uh, I think that had this had this show been airing and this and and us been talking about it in this capacity like five six years ago, I'd be reading everything. Yeah, I'd be spoiling the bejesus out of the show for myself, <laughs> reading every theory, contributing some of my own, that sort of thing. And I don't I don't know what it is about either either you know the older we get or the more seasoned we get at this kind of stuff the less we care to read crazy theories and the more we want to respect the, the author's intent or we just don't have time for it. <laughs> I think it's a mix of both. Yeah, those. it might yeah. be. I think, I'm, I'm really, I think yeah, I do really 
want to see it play out however these guys designed it. It's almost like, you know, we used to, Willie, and we always talk about Willie's oh, notorious yeah. for just spoiling everything for himself. Mm-hmm. And he loves doing that. And he used to love spoiler culture so much and just read everything. And and I think he might even do it a little less than he used to. I think so too. I'm not really sure. I think he doesn't care. Although whenever I think I've found something and I'll text it to him, be like, oh my God, did you read this or see that? He's like, oh yeah, that's oh, great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's, just, he's already all up on it, which is really yeah. funny. Yeah, but... Anyway, we I, I do think the further this gets uh, into the season, the more I'm going to want start reading things. Yeah, yeah just because I'm going to want to know. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting. We're going to save a section at the end of the show to maybe talk about some of the stuff that we did last week and see where we're at on it now. But we'll get to that uh, shortly or soon. Uh, so next up, we see William in town and he helps recover an escaping bounty from the sheriff. Uh, this guy basically shoots up part of the town trying to escape after he gets brought in by yeah. a host i think i began to wonder if that was a if that was a, a host or a or a guest the the guy who the bounty was on oh the scene was so strange the way it played out and i was kind of like is this a, what's going on here because i thought i could see a guest getting rowdy and getting <laughs> a bounty put on him like that that would be interesting someone would probably love to that. play that role yeah, yeah exactly to get a bounty put out and you get hauled in and shoot your way out of the sheriff's like it was such an <laughs> explosive scene that i was like you know once again, I was just my mind was was blown by the by the wonder at the scale that is that Westworld has. Yeah, like it's amazing to yeah. think that all these little things are going on, and it may all be for nothing. Like there there may not even be any guests within five square miles of all these events, but they happen anyway. It's so cool. Yeah, it's great. Uh, yeah. So we see William get shot by the outlaw or the 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 bounty who's trying to escape. Uh, I did note in my notes, the man in black wasn't so staggered by Teddy in episode one. So we kind of had this conversation a little bit before we recorded. But yeah, William definitely takes a hit and stumbles backwards, whereas the man in black just is standing there taking everything that comes at him. It's a very weird... I don't know if it's a discrepancy or if it's intended or what it really means. Uh, like I, t- I told you, I kind of took it as the man in black has been shot a few times, but then you're like, yeah, but that doesn't stop physics. And so it's kind of, yeah, either he's that much of a, of a badass where it just doesn't matter. He's, he anticipates it or I don't know, spinning out of what we were talking about last week. I think that it may represent an advancement in technology because in the original film, the, the host's guns don't fire anything. Yeah. They just don't work. They don't they either don't function or they uh they just shoot nothing. Yeah. Like they can pull the trigger and a hammer will fire and a, and the the chamber will spin but nothing comes out. And that when I saw the pilot and I saw Teddy shooting at the man in black and it wasn't refusing to fire, I was like, "Oh, all right. That's cool." Or what uh, no, in the in yeah. the film the rules were like it it, it, it wouldn't it wouldn't fire heat. at a heat signature. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it would shoot at anything that didn't give off heat, but Yeah. Right, 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 right. And that's kind of the the vibe that I got from the pilot when Teddy's shooting Teddy's at the man shooting, in black. Yeah. I was like, okay, so it's not that it won't shoot. It's just that it shoots like nothing or like a, it, it fires like a signal. Yeah. Because the way that I remember thinking this, the sound that it made and the weird dissipation it made, it was almost like I thought at first it was shooting through him. And I was like, what is he? Like, I was like, <laughs> is he a hologram? What is he? And it, it totally freaked me out. And then when I saw William take a take the 
a slug in this one and get knocked over. I was like, oh, there's, it's shooting a projectile. So for some reason, I love that the two of us are, oh, there's there's a few key moments in each episode that we take in totally different ways. We take different differently, yeah, yeah. That's fun. And in this one, I took it as like a change in an advancement in the technology and how the host's weapons work. Yeah. Against guests. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know about that. I, we'll, we'll save, I want to come back to that at sure. the end of the episode. Uh, we also reveal, we hear Logan walks up. He's always checking his zipper whenever he enters the scene, which I find really funny. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, Logan reveals that William is getting married or yeah, it seems getting like he's married, getting yeah, married he's to, to Logan's Logan. sister. Yes. Uh, like this is some kind of bachelor party kind of thing ish. Yeah. Uh, they also, this is the first time in the show that they state that it costs $40,000 a day to be at Westworld. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, William just kind of calls Logan out on only indulging in the brothel and he wants to go and hunt some bounties cause he thinks that might be fun. Uh, any, any other thoughts there before the next scene? Uh, no, I thought that was great. I, I think that's, I think that's really cool to see it because most of the guests we've seen so far have either immediately gotten pulled away by the brothel and just done that or they get they do something really tame where they talk about like oh the rapids or or they just do chaos they don't they just want to shoot things and run around yeah kill 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 stuff just act like assholes i like that he's intrigued by a storyline like he's like oh this is a plot and i kind of want to follow it that's neat yeah uh so then uh Cullen comes to find Bernard and discuss the board being afraid of Ford's last minute narrative takeover. Um, Ford is going to use a huge swath of the park and he's thrown half of the existing storylines into disarray. That uh, just, yeah, I don't know what to say other than that's great. It Anthony, is great. Anthony Hopkins exactly is just gonna like, say. I'm going to do what I want to do. This yeah. is my place. I am the director of parks. Park director. <laughs> it says on his door. Yeah, he that's does what he good. wants. I direct the park. He's going full John Hammond. Yep. Not listening to anybody else. Uh, and then Colin also is kind of still unsure as to why people are being pulled for follow-up uh, after the incidents that they've had. I th- I take this by the editing that she's seeing all the people that Elsie is pulling aside to kind of investigate a little bit more. Yeah. And not so much that she's aware of Bernard seeing Dolores secretly. Um, but Agreed. Yeah. So... Then we cut to Elsie in uh, diagnosis with a host named Rebus, played by Stephen Trevor. Hogg, who's Trevor in Grand Theft Auto Five. As soon as I saw him, well, right when I saw him, I was like, oh, is that Michael <laughs> Kelly? And then I was like, no, it's Trevor, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, so uh, he, this is one of the hosts that was attacked by Walter when Walter went crazy in the pilot episode. Elsie uh, notices that Walter mentions an Arnold and that Walter attacks uh, only some of the hosts and the ones that he attacks were ones that had killed him in previous storylines. Like he's exacting revenge, revenge. from the storylines that he's remembering fragments of. Almost like he's hearing somebody say, do you remember in he, his head? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which is terrifying. <laughs> uh, so any thoughts on, on that stuff? I, you know, this introduction of Stephen Ogg, I think is pretty good. It's he great. fits right into the oh, world. Yeah, which yeah is that was beautiful. really exciting. He's got, I love that he... I love that not only do these actors... It's it's a great opportunity for them to, to do rock star projects because I think it's really cool. Re- referring to Grand Theft Auto V in this instance, uh, they get to do the motion capture. The likeness is, is based on them. Yeah. And uh, they get to do the voice. It's really cool that they really get to own that performance and that rock star does that so thoroughly. Actually, you and I were talking about the, the voice actor who does uh, John, John Marston. Marston in yeah. uh, Red Dead Redemption. It's a really cool story. There's a little mini... Uh, 
documentary done about him, how he was like kind of a nobody once attempted actor who kind of settled into a blue collar lifestyle. And then he got plucked up to do that role. And it was really, it's a really cool. It's a cool story. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, Stephen Ogg, it's funny because Trevor, it's just, he's Trevor with a handlebar mustache in this one. Yep. And it's great. He's very uh, good. Yeah. He fits into this Absolutely. Really well. His his facial hair fits into the... Oh, yeah. Uh, and then Elsie spots a stray. She gets an alert that a stray is out in the park. Bernard sends Elsie to go uh, accompany Ashley Stubbs, who uh, I, I finally noticed in this episode is from the QA department. He's from Quality Assurance. Ah. Uh. So it's it, we perceive him as security, and it probably really means security. Yeah, but it, they they call it quality assurance. Yeah, because he's always like, he kind of reminds me he's like the Muldoon of this show. Yeah, he kind of understands a lot about their behavior, and to him, it's it's very kind of black and white. He's kind of like you guys program it, and either it works or it doesn't kind of yeah. thing, and we have to step in and and root out the problems. But he's always like armed, and he's kind of like a buff dude with like tactical gear on all the time. I'm yep. just like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, so he goes in the elevator with Elsie and, and they have a conversation where he's very wary about the fact that the only thing stopping the host from attacking them is a line of their code. Yeah, what is he? He says something really gruesome. It's like from ripping us to pieces or something yeah. like that. It's really it's really freaky. The shot of the stray just running away really creeped me out. Yeah. Because I was like, ew. Like, we don't <laughs> we don't get a good look at which one it is. We don't know, like, if it's a character we know or not. And it was, everything about that really creeped me out. And I was like how are these people so calm in this situation? Like, <laughs> like he literally says all that's all that keeps them from just murdering us is, is a line of code. And yeah, just, they send two people to deal it's, with it's, one. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the funny thing is that they're just kind of like, Oh, it's a malfunction. Let's go see what's going on. It's like that. Like, I don't know. This park's been around for 30 years and they're not worried. Like has nothing really happened in 30 years. <sighs> has it only been 30 years or has it been, more than 30 years but we've only heard about certain it's been at least 30 years but it's been 30 years since the last incident right i think which involves arnold we find out yes yeah presumably it hasn't that hasn't been connected one-to-one but that's that's what i took it as too yeah uh so we are agreed yes (laughs) uh (laughs) and then so the next scene Teddy starts a gun battle on the street with a new guest by his side uh, a woman i don't think we ever learn her name Mm, I can't I don't remember think so. hearing it. She just kind of pops up, which is I actually kind of dug out. Yeah, that was cool. cool. And then uh, they end up hitting up the brothel where Clementine takes the guest up to uh, one of the bedrooms. And Maeve recalls seeing Teddy in the washdown chamber back in the labs when yes. she woke up last week. And uh, so we see a little bit of that recognition in her eyes. But other than that, not much Maeve in this episode. Uh, and then Teddy spots Dolores outside and we get kind of a little bit of a retread of the pilot because obviously they're on their loop. Yep. Um, but we get a little bit more of an extended conversation about Dolores wanting to leave her home, which I don't, I don't really know what to say here other than to me, it feels like that she was pushing a little bit on the programming there, presumably because I think she is conscious at this point in time, but. Yeah, she, it's interesting. She she has it definitely follows Bernard telling her cuz he's about to kind of reset her and then he decides Later in the episode. He's oh, that's like, later when he says just keep let's yeah. roll with it and see what happens. Yeah, he he's kind of like I I he boots her up to be like I don't know what to do with you. Let's talk about this. Okay, yeah, we can So, we, yeah, we'll we'll get to that. 
that was cool though i like i liked seeing them settle back into the loop now that we know a lot more about each character and, and what they're doing and what's going on yeah and where they can kind of be pulled off from each other and how they that reminds up. me so do you think i don't think it's been outright said but do you think a loop is 24 hours not necessarily no yeah i still don't know i don't i don't i don't yeah i don't really know that it I think by loop, I think it just means they're like their core programming loop, which which maybe it's more extended for some people than it is. I don't know. We don't know yet. Yeah, I'm really intrigued to know what qualifies as as a as a cycle, so to speak, for yeah. each of them. Because in the film, it was it was like it seemed like a day. Yeah. They reset at the end of every day. Yep. And that would make sense. And it, we've gotten some indicators. It probably is because Dolores. We in the first two episodes, we saw a lot of Dolores waking up every day. Yeah, and and talking to her dad and going to town. I think that's generally thing. how it is until a a, a bigger storyline gets kind of yeah it could could be out. written at any time. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Maybe they maybe a loop is maybe a cycle is twenty four hours and generally a loop adheres to that. But maybe for some characters it's like three days, or for some it's like yeah. half a day. Because I mean, later on in this episode, we get the guys who are out in the camp. Yeah, and they've been and stuck out there. They were supposed to be back in town two day like two days ago. That <laughs> kind of like so I don't. It's they great. might have a longer kind of journey around them. That's true. So, um, yeah. And I guess a lot of the ones that are in town every day. What's the name of the town? I forgot. Sweetwater. Sweetwater. Maybe the ones that are that are closer to Sweetwater have shorter loops. Yeah. Because there's always new guests arriving. Yeah. Or so we think maybe guests only arrive. Maybe there's like a monthly influx of guests. Yeah. Then, yeah. We don't really know. There's all these questions. Mm-hmm. They don't. It don't matter. I, I'm concerning myself less with the broad conspiracies and more about the logistics. So how does this all <laughs> well, work? Well, it's fascinating. <laughs> yeah. it's Where's fa- the instruction manual on Westworld? <laughs> Give me the pamphlet. Um, and then, of course, Teddy dies once again, we presume. Uh, not only do we presume, but uh, Ford has kind of pulled him aside after he presumably died to invite him into a new storyline. Uh, Ford reveals that Teddy's mysterious backstory, quote unquote, is really just a cover for having not written one for him. It is exactly that. It is a mysterious back. No one knows. Yeah. Ex- nobody knows it. Not even the people who wrote his dialogue. Uh, and then Teddy, uh, as you said, Teddy exists to let guests best the gunslinger and have their way with his girl. And it looks like the storyline that Teddy's been looped into involves a mysterious person named Wyatt from Teddy's past. Who could claim? Who claimed that he could hear the voice of God, and uh, why it went missing and came back after being sent down to deal with natives uh, along the border or something. However, however they put it there. Uh, any thoughts on this? I loved. I don't know if this is when they showed it. I don't think so. I think it's later when he's talking about it. But when they showed the flashbacks of him in like civil war regalia yeah yeah they 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 only showed uh they only showed wyatt at that point i think they okay. didn't show him yet but yeah i really Those love jackets and stuff evan rachel wood and james mars and, and sandy newton uh, pretty much everybody in the show really they do such a great job of flipping between modes and stories evan rachel wood is really great switching between analysis and yeah. like conversation mode or whatever whatever they're called it's very it's very cool to see a physical change in their faces. They shift into like more of a standby diagnostic mode and then they become like quote unquote human again. Mm-hmm. And James Marsden was great in that scene when he, when he uploads the new story and then he just launches into this tale. It was yeah. really awesome. I was like, ah, oh, this is so good. He's great. <laughs> it, it was Love really James cool. Marsden. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then we cut back to Rebus. He attempts to accost Dolores for one of the new hosts. But Teddy steps uh, steps in and stops them because uh, the guest refuses to pull his gun on Teddy, pretty much. Yellow-bellied guest. Yep. 
And Teddy takes Dolores out to kind of learn how to shoot, but Dolores can't pull the trigger. She just, something in her won't let her pull the trigger. And uh, Teddy's guest that we talked about previously rolls up with the sheriff to start a new bounty about a man named Wyatt. Uh, that Wyatt is supposedly connected to, at least. And then uh, Teddy leaves but promises to come back to Dolores once again. It's funny. It was such a sad moment. And I was like, oh, it's so funny. None of this matters. <laughs> yeah. But I feel really bad. Like, I want them to I want them to find each other again. Yeah. Yeah. And they will. Cause but they won't know. Yeah, exactly. Um, El- we're back to Elsie and Stubbs again. They roll up on a camp that the stray had originated from. The stray happened to be the woodcutter from the group. And uh, the group missed a cattle drive in town two days ago because they've been stuck waiting for food. Uh, and they were waiting for food because the woodcutter is the only person authorized to handle the axe. Yes. So we learned that weapons privileges are very specifically uh, doled out to certain people as a new... She uh, Elsie says it's a new policy from Stubbs's boss, who is maybe Cullen... I don't know. I, I don't. I. I don't have that hierarchy worked out in my head yet. I don't know. I'm not sure who might be. who his boss would be, uh, but only one person can be authorized to handle the axe, and that is potentially why Dolores can't shoot either. Um, and then the stray has been carving out little wood animals, and they all have a similar pattern of spots gouged out on them. To me, I was like, that looks like a constellation, and then. Uh, Elsie has a has a very interesting uh, statement. She says that identities are built layer by layer around the person's backstory, which I think is interesting considering that James Marsden's character, Teddy, didn't... He just has a nebulous backstory. Hmm. So, uh, any thoughts there? I was entertained by the, by the group of guys that uh, just none of them want to cut wood. Because they, yeah, they can't. I'd imagine... <laughs> Imagined them for like three. How many days overdue were they? Five. Two, I think she said two days. Just literally looping the same conversation, <laughs> just like arguing with each other about who should get up and cut the wood. It's really funny. <laughs> yeah, it reminds me of a story I read when uh, the Elder Scrolls Three was in development. I think it, it might have been Elder Scrolls Four. This is another series of video games uh, made by the same folks that make uh, Fallout. Mm-hmm. So our our Swiss audience will will know what we're referring to. Yes, I think it was Elder Scrolls Four. At any rate, uh, it involved, uh, I'm, I'm totally going to butcher the story. I should have looked it up beforehand, but this just reminded me of it. Essentially what happened is uh, the character, somebody playing the game, or the developers while they were testing the game, they realized that uh, prisoners, at one point they were checking, there's like a prison area and there's there's NPCs in the in the prisons. And as you're walking through it as the player, you can you can talk to these NPCs and have brief conversations with them and there's guards and stuff. It's a, It seems like a live prison environment. And when they were testing the game uh, just before release, they at one point, one of the programmers or whomever logged into the game and started playing. He went through the prison and all the prisoners were dead. <laughs> and he was like, what the hell? And like they couldn't figure out what happened. And they were like, why are these prisoners all dead? And they eventually figured out that they had not written code telling the guards to bring food to the prisoners in the game. And the prisoners were starving to death. Oh, wow. Because the game had... Well, even not so much that the guards had to bring them food, but they, they had to write code like essentially telling the prisoners not to die you you are fed yeah Yeah, you are always fed because other npcs in the game and like the villages and stuff like that had their own little routes to walk where they would be like sampling food and that sort of thing and so 
that's how advanced that game was at the time. Was yeah. like these characters their own were, ideas and programming outstripped their kind of. They just, it was an oversight world building. Yeah. yeah, they didn't. They literally forgot to tell characters that they had eaten food and they were all dying. And I <laughs> can't imagine the horror that this developer or whomever felt when they walked through and everyone was dead. And they were yeah. like, "What happened?" <laughs> like, is the guy from the South Park Warcraft episode coming through and just killing everybody and they can't be brought back? It was I. I read that and I thought that was so funny. Yeah, and I was like, "Wow, that's." That's freaked me out on a level, though. It was really strange like yeah. that, that you can make... Well, your creation takes on its own life, and you're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you, what you just said uh, reminded me a lot of that story. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Uh, so I don't think there was too much else out of Elsie and Stubbs from that uh, particular section. But then we cut to the Wyatt hunting party. Uh, they get attacked in the woods after finding a bunch of tied up rotten men that were supposedly, they were kind of still alive, which was super gross, weird and gross, really gross. Um, I love that Teddy's uh, essentially programmed to not, not be phased by the smell. Yeah. That's great. You've always, got that, right you've always got that character who just shrugs it off and <laughs> that was him in this instant. I thought that was awesome. Yeah. Uh, we learn a little bit that Wyatt's men hide underneath the flesh and bones of their prey. They wear it as a mask, essentially. Uh, Teddy was in the army down by Escalante and Wyatt was his sergeant and friend. And when Wyatt came back, he claimed that the land didn't belong to the old natives or the new settlers, but to something that had yet to come or himself is kind of how he puts it. Right. But then right as they start getting attacked, they hear these weird animalistic noises of some kind. Somebody likened them to the smoke monster from Lost, actually. It Um, reminded me of uh, Bone Tomahawk. Yeah, me too. Absolutely. Uh, and then uh, the other guests that are with them kind of chicken out, except for the woman that was with Teddy originally. Uh, they say something about they should have done the riverboat story. <laughs> and they head back to town with one of the hosts in order to call for backup. Uh, yeah, that was a that was an interesting scene. It, it made me, like, I my disbelief was suspended a little bit because I felt like the gunfight was kind of... It feels like the gunfight is shaped around the host or the guest a little bit in terms of like, oh, we're going to let you get to a certain point because like they just kind of get out in the open to start walking towards where they're going to go. But it was just a very. It seemed also like Teddy. It's written in such a way that Teddy is at least supposed to make it to to a certain point to the point where he holds them off. Yeah. Keeps them at bay so that the ho- the the guest can get away. Yeah. So once again, Teddy's just kind of there to. <laughs> To get so far get, and then get killed. get killed. But I'm wondering if maybe the the way to further this storyline will be to help like get Teddy out of that. Be prepared enough to get Teddy out of that. Yeah, maybe. That scene but, was really intense. Yeah. And uh Yeah, well uh, that's kinda like that's a little bit we cut back to it again later, but we can just talk about it here. So the guest trips a booby trap. Yes. Here's those noises again. Uh, the sheriff just gets brutally stabbed behind her and she freaks out. She's yeah. horrified at what's going on. And then Teddy obviously is like, take my knife, go back to town, and just get out of here. I'm going to hold them off as much as I can. Yeah, it was very creepy. <laughs> yeah, it was really freaky. And actually my girlfriend asked, she said, she's like, I don't get it. Don't they know they can't be killed? Like referring to the guest. And yeah. I was like, well, I think in that circumstance you would get you would get won over by the story and yeah. you'd be along for the ride. You'd be freaked out. And you're not going to stand there and go, bah, <laughs> because yeah, you're a hundred percent sure. Even if you, well, you're 99.9% sure you're not going to get hurt. And that point 
0.01%. Well, might win out and you're probably going to run. As Logan said, it's not that they can't get hurt. It's that they can't die. Yeah, that's true. So, I mean, even if a guy's coming at you with an axe, it's still going to hurt you somehow. Right. You're going to run. <laughs> that's just, it's fight or flight. You're yeah. either going to fight and you're going to win or you're going to run like hell. Yeah. And also, we we do know that the further you get away from Sweetwater, the more intense Dangerous, it gets. Dangerous, yeah. 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 Uh, okay, and then we cut back to Elsie and Stubbs, still tracking the stray. Elsie stares at the gouges in the turtle. She took the turtle carving, uh, and Stubbs says, well, that's got to be the constellation Orion. Uh, yeah, it seemed... Uh, the, the interesting thing about it was that, I think, thinking about a host that has been enamored with the stars... She was confused by it, and she's somebody who wouldn't know if that was, like, programmed into this guy, but right. it's clearly not. Like, why and how? So that that's interesting. I wonder if we'll learn more about that next week. Maybe what that... Maybe the woodcutter in a previous lifetime was, like, a... I don't know, scientist Stargazing or something like that. Yeah, stargazer <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah, who knows? I like Stubbs' line about maybe it's part of my backstory or something like that that he says. <laughs> she's surprised that he knows about yeah. astronomy. Gala fucking Leo's what she says yeah, to yeah. him, and then he's like, "Maybe it's part of my backstory." <laughs> it's pretty good. Stubs. Yep. Uh, and then we get to, I think, probably the meat of the episode. Bernard speaking with Ford in his office about Arnold. Ford's office is so rad. It is really cool, and it's really <laughs> creepy. Sculptures around, one of them playing a piano, all that kind of stuff. That was just, that was really cool. It was very cool. Um, I so, like how much glass is everywhere. I like that all the doors are glass. It's yeah. very interesting. Yeah. It's like they're portraying the operation as very transparent, but yet it just feels oblique so anyway. So like and dagger. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know exactly. That's what's kind of funny about it. Yeah. Uh, so before we even get to the office, Ford, uh, Ford is in analysis or something speaking with another host and he notices that somebody else working on one of the hosts has the host covered up and he gets kind of angry at that being like they don't feel anything unless we tell them to feel it Mm -hmm. he even like slices the guy's cheek in a very weird moment like an unhinged kind of moment it it seemed very unlike ford ford so far has seemed to be somewhat sympathetic towards these things maybe not sympathetic but kind of fond of them in a way yeah like they're his little creations and but to see him kind of almost attack one like that was really kind of freaky even so he's mostly just been cool and collected beyond that there's a moment of anger that seemed unprompted yeah and with a pretty intense display of violence like yeah yeah uh, and then we get to the the office, and Bernard is worried about the misdiagnosis of Abernathy and Walter's issue that they've had. Uh, he mentions that they were hearing voices. I don't necessarily know that. W- did did we get any inkling that Peter Abernathy was hearing voices, or is this? Do we learn this here, or do we assume that Walter, or not Walter, that Bernard is inserting him into this issue to kind of? Truthfully, I don't remember. I'd have to go back. I, I think if anything, yeah. it would be during that last scene with Peter where they were talking and and he seemed really scared. He probably said something. Because I think... Along those lines. I think Bernard mentions that they were both talking to the same imaginary person who is referred to as Arnold. Was he speaking during the security footage of him while he was puzzling over the picture? I don't think so, but mm. we'll have to... There may have, have been something we just check. didn't pick up on. Yeah. I have a feeling there when this season is all said and done. There's a lot of stuff. We there's going to be a lot of stuff that we'll go back and watch and go, oh. Yeah. 
Um, How so, did I not see that? <laughs> so Bernard takes and says he thinks that Ford hasn't told him the whole truth. Ford explains that he and his team and his partner spent three years living in the park, refining the hosts before guests were even invited. And uh, it took hosts. He mentions that it took hosts one year to start passing the Turing test, but his partner Arnold wanted more out of these robots instead of just or androids. Uh, he wanted to create consciousness. And he Refresh had this, my memory. What's the Turing test? The Turing test is what's being done in the movie Ex Machina, uh, where basically you are testing a computer or an AI in order to understand if it can pass as, as human. a human. Right. Yeah. Okay. So there is no like, this is the Turing test. It's like you need to design a Turing test to I see. detect that or understand that kind of thing. Uh, so I think at this point it's mostly kind of theoretical. I think, that, but I think there's been like contests and things like that of people like, here you are talking to something through a computer, or here are several computers that are connected to something. Which of these is another person on the other end, and which mm. of these is uh, an AI? That I think that's been done now yeah. as as we speak. But crazy. Um. So. Uh, Arnold had this idea of the pyramid built on memory and then with improvisation above that, self-interest above that, but the top of the pyramid he didn't necessarily have, but he thought it was this idea of the bicameral mind, which the show explains as, or Ford explains in the show as being primitive minds thinking that uh, voices in their heads were some kind of God. Um, I think there's, I think it goes deeper than that in real life. Like that theory I think is more, it's a little bit more abstract than that. It doesn't necessarily mention God as like the main thrust of it when I was looking through the Wikipedia article, but maybe I just need to do more reading. Uh, and it seems Arnold built a cognition where the hosts heard their programming as an inner monologue with the hopes that their own voice would take over in order to kind of ease them into consciousness. Um, but Arnold didn't consider that the host, number one, shouldn't be conscious because of the terrible things that happened to them in the park. And number two, the people who heard voices in their heads would maybe be considered lunatics. Uh, and the stuff that stuck around from that that uh, programming are the voice commands that control some hosts. And we learn. So let's stop there real quick. Any thoughts about all that? We get that backstory of Arnold. We get that shot of de-aged Anthony Hopkins like uh, yeah. Jeff Bridges and, and Tron Legacy. It was very heady. It was a lot. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff. And it, while while I felt comfortable listening to it and processing it, even though there, there was something, I almost had to like think about it after the show. This is the point where I thought, okay, a lot of viewers are going to go, mm. <laughs> it reminds me of uh, uh, Willie. Willie said it once. We were talking about Lost. And I think... Trying to remember what the moment was. Something big happens in Lost that's very metaphysical, weird, doesn't make a lot of sense, requires a lot of thinking. And really, we were talking about this particular moment, and I, I thought it was really cool. I'm trying to remember what episode it was and what season. But Willie just summed it up. He's like, casual fans, gone. <laughs> gone. <laughs> Not watching anymore. Yeah. They're done. It's The show has, has gone a different direction. It may have been as late as season four or five in the show when it started to get really bizarre and like time travel and that kind of thing, which I loved, but a lot of people didn't. But this is this is a scene where I was like, a lot of people are just gonna kind of zone out, I think, and just wait for the next scene because it started to. Well, and I very much was like, I am not 
I usually watch the show twice before we record these. And I was immediately like, I'm not catching all this right now. I'm going to catch it on my second run through. Yeah, because the notion that you're building this pyramid and you don't even know what's at the top is really interesting. And I like the idea that he thinks there's only one other thing left at the top to happen, you know, rather than maybe two or three or more. Maybe they only... How did he construct that? Yeah, it was interesting. Those, for some reason, those were the things that I got hung up on and I was thinking about because the... Even the way the show is written, I'm attacking it at this weird angle of like, what are what are the where are the walls? You know what I mean? Where yep. are the boundaries? Where? Yep. And uh, f- I'm 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 constantly dazzled at the the writing in this show. The whole taking a an, a concept that's laid out in the film, which is already so groundbreaking and interesting and and already so complex, and just blowing it even further open and exploring all these different ideas and getting to the point all these different characters getting to the point where you need to nitpick in order to poke holes in it all like what like back in the days of the movie that was like a here's your total suspension of disbelief this is a thing watch it unfold whereas yes. this show is kind of laying the groundwork for it to be to put the logic there for you to not have to suspend your disbelief so far as just to be like this is in the future yeah, and, and finding it's it's getting so big and so uh so God, I can't, I'm at a loss for words on how I feel. I I find myself focusing on these little details because it's what keeps me keeps me kind of grounded <laughs> in the moment. I'm like because it, it, I'm so like Mary Poppins liable to just float away with some of these crazy ideas that I have to like f- uh, like. Why, why? Why pyramid? Like those are the things that are that are concerning me right now. It's getting very big, but also very meticulous. Yeah. At the same time, I think it, it's going to be the kind of it. thing that requires multiple viewings. And yeah. i I like to I like to go into these conversations having I like to go in off the cuff if possible. Yeah. I like to go with my guy. Like when we record, gone to Texas, it's usually like watch, and then ten minutes later we're recording, recording and it's yeah. just like gut reactions. But that's that show. Yeah. This show is very like you. You have to meditate on it and think. And when I'm driving over here to record, I'm in the car. I'm trying to listen to some music that's going to help me zone out and just kind of think and not zone out while I'm driving. That would be wrong. <laughs> you know what I mean, though? Yeah. To, to let my mind kind of well, wander with some of the concepts and try to think about what what, what really picked my interest in this episode and yeah. what what are the things that I that I want to know more about that sort of thing. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, the the scene was was amazing, and I love. I love the the with each character it feels like we're starting with them at a certain point and almost all the lines are drawing backwards like so much of what's in their past is more important than where they're going in the next episode yeah I think that's really cool because we've caught up with them at a time in the show when we're watching them go to work and do their job and these extraordinary things are happening with the hosts but only a few characters are are aware of how extraordinary these things are and we're kind of just watching them go through the motions day by day for the most part. And I like that with with guests at the park, their stories are moving forward. Like we're we're interested in what's going to happen to them next. But I think with like Bernard and with Ford and with Stubbs and a lot of the uh, employees, uh, I like that the stories are going backwards in a way yeah. that we're we're following the trail backwards to see where they came from because where where they are now doesn't matter so much i mean it does but we presume or i presume at least this part that tomorrow is going to be another day of work for them with the exception of maybe bernard and ford and obviously as this as the season progresses that's going to be less so because i'm really i have a feeling some really big 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 crazy shit is coming soon and 
I, I just like following the, tr- especially with Ford and Bernard, they're such fascinating characters yeah. and the way they're weirdly intertwined and, and the histories of how they got there. And we learn a lot more about Bernard's uh, personal life, probably in the next scene or something. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Well, we also learn uh, that Arnold did die in the park and that his personal life was marred by some kind of tragedy and that the whole thing was called an accident. But uh, Ford notes that Arnold was very, very careful. <sighs> he didn't think that that kind of accident what a tease yeah. what a tease and he won't even tell bernard and you could tell bernard is just like dying inside as, <laughs> as he's about to leave the <laughs> office because ford quickly ushers him to the door and opens up and says, oh well you will tell me if anything changes right and he's just kind of like Fuck. yeah oh well and then the thing is ford urges bernard to remember that the hosts are not real and that he must not take arnold's mistake he might he must not make that same mistake despite the death of his son charlie so Ford can see the resemblances between Bernard and Arnold. Ford sees that something is there, so much so to be like, hey, you need to take a step back and remember that these are mechanical beings and not life. They are because we will them to be. Sort of yeah, thing. yeah. Well, Which, then... Oh, it's so good. It's just so good. <laughs> Never mind. We keep going. Well, no, I I just wanted to kind of note that it. There are some people that theorize, and I don't think this changes the way you think about the show that much. But the idea that Bernard is is potentially one of the hosts, or is some, right. or something like that. To me, it, the it gets the wheels turning in my head of like, what if Bernard is Arnold, like a new, a new form of Arnold, Bernard Arnold. Yeah, Bernard that Ford made, and just because he missed his friend or something like that. Like there, there's so much similarity there, but it, that's what makes me feel like it's a head fake. Like because of because this show is so clearly drawing these parallels between these two characters, there's no way that that's. I really want to know what what happened, to Arnold. Not not so much because it was a death, and I want to know why it happened, but because I want to know what would drive who sounds like arguably the more brilliant of the two men to, to some sort of death by, by host. I kind of want to know like which one I'm wondering, uh, I like, I got the inkling that almost maybe Arnold and Ford were going in different directions with things. And that Ford killed Arnold Mm. was kind of the thought in my head. Or found a way to, to turn a host to make it look like an accident. Ah, he's yeah. pretty upfront about the fact, though, that it wasn't an accident. So unless he's finally feeling like coming clean all these years later, like the theory that a serial killer always wants to be caught. Yeah. I'm not really sure. I, I'm kind of... I'm kind of well. Feeling, that coupled with the tendencies of like cutting the host made it made it put Ford in a different light for yeah, me. Yeah, it's episode. true. Or like he's dealing with some stress that busted out in, on that scene. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm getting this weird vibe from like Memento where... Spoilers for Memento, and if you haven't seen Memento, go watch it. Please, watch especially it. if you like this show. Yes, watch it and and email and tell me how much you loved it. It's my all time favorite movie, and and it's it's the best. Yep. So there's the I guess it's not really a spoiler. It's a spoiler. Uh, when when Sammy's wife puts puts him to the test of will he remember? She thinks she can make him remember by giving her the insulin shots. And yeah repeatedly resetting things and making him give her the shot repeatedly and like leonard says she thought she could wake him up make him remember by mm-hmm. by forcing him to choose and that but she thought he she thought she was making him choose 
Which that scene is, is so amazing and so heartbreaking. And I love the, the idea that that's the test that she came up with and thinking she could just make him snap out of it, I think is what he says. Yeah. And I kind or it's of, like she knows that it's going to kill her, but she just needs to know if he can. She Yeah, either one way or the other. Either she, she will need to know for sure that he's broken and can't be fixed. And then she's going to die, which is pretty raw. Yeah. Or she thinks, or like, she's like Leonard says, yeah, she thinks if she could just make him remember, it would be fine. And she almost she almost puts Leonard to, to make that choice for her when she says, what do you think? Like, I just need to know what do you think? And he tells her he should be, he thinks he should be physically capable of making new memories. And then she, you see that tear come down her face because in that moment she's made her choice. Like she's going to, she's already got this theory. Anyway, that doesn't matter. We're not talking about Memento, <laughs> but because it, it's a, it's another Nolan body of work and, and a Jonathan story at its, at its root. Uh, for some reason I feel, and this is probably no way the case, but I feel like Arnold in, in order to try to make, the consciousness ultimately happen would put a host in a similar position where he's going to put them in a position where they can pull a trigger. They can make a choice, a conscious decision against programming to kill him yeah, or something like that, or kill him to save another host or something like that. And uh, for some reason, I'm just getting that vibe that he's, no, that, s- you, that sounds, that sounds, and like, be, like Ford says, he has a hard time believing it was an accident because he was so cautious yeah. with all the programming and all that. And I don't know. We'll find there out. had to be purpose behind it. Yeah. Um, well, and then, uh, just to keep the memento stuff going, we've got an email from uh, listener Jason about the next scene. Bernard chats with his wife via telecom, his wife played by Gina Torres, which always made good. me very Always happy. good to see her. Yes. Hey, Gina. Uh, she used to be annoyed by how busy he was, but she's glad that he can quote unquote forget about their son, Charlie. But Bernard is like, uh, are you serious? No, I can't forget about that. And he brings up this very memento-esque remark about waking up in the morning yep. and oh, thinking yeah. that Charlie's still there. Basically so we, basically dialogue from memento. Well, and that's we got an email from our friend uh, Jason. From uh, He started listening. We spoke to him this past week for our Midwest Filmers podcast. Hey, Jason. Jason wrote in and said, wasn't that speech from Jeffrey Wright's character just directly lifted from the Jonathan Nolan written and MFNP favorite memento speech <laughs> given by Guy Pierce in bed with Carrie Ann Moss? A little self-plagiarism there, I thought. I enjoyed it anyway, though. Just found that interesting and have yet to see anyone referencing it in today, uh, today in any online publications. Looking forward to the show. Yeah, as soon as Bernard said that. It was I in was my like, notes, Jason. Yeah. We're on top of that shit. Yep. We got it covered. Yeah, we did, we just watched Memento, so and it, yeah. it's fresh in our mind. No, but. well, it, and it always, it, it comes up several times in Memento because then there's the whole scene where he recreates that exact scenario. Yep. And that that's a moment, and oh, it's so good. God damn, is that some good writing? Because, <laughs> pardon my French, the that's a moment that everybody has where you wake up in the middle of the night and you, you will straight up not know where you are. It just doesn't happen to me that often, but when it does, I always kind of smile afterwards when I get my bearings. I'm like, God, that's cool. Like it's scary. <laughs> it's scary. It's so scary, but it's cool that your brain can do that to you. You can like, if you wake, if you're used to waking up like on your left side in the morning, facing your alarm. And if there's that one moment where you f- wake up facing the other way, you might be like, Whoa, where am I? Yeah. It's, it's just crazy. Or like when, when I moved a couple months ago, uh, the way the bed was was facing in the room and and even the side I sleep on was reoriented. And it, when I woke up one of the first nights sleeping there, I was so my head was screwed on side backwards. I was like, wait, what the <laughs> hell? Am I upside down in the bed? I thought like my head was where my feet would normally be. It was really and I, I had that exact feeling and I was like laughing like, oh, boy, that's crazy shit. Yeah. But the yeah, the, that 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 dialogue is very obviously 
I can't even say inspired by Memento because the same guy wrote it. So. Yeah. Well, did did no did Christopher write the screenplay? He did. He wrote so the screenplay by himself. I'm wondering. I'm one, I, I haven't read the the Jonathan written story. Neither have I, which is actually really dumb. Now that I'm saying it out loud, I can't believe I haven't. Yeah. It's kind of like the thing that where there's a lot of movies where I haven't read the book. Yeah. As much as I love reading, I there are some stories that I think are so good as they are. I know that the book is better. And I don't want to ruin it for myself. <laughs> like everyone has told me that Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep is way better than Blade Runner, but I love Blade Runner so much. I don't want to mess with it. I think I've heard However, that one is so different that you'd be safe in that case, but maybe, but then I don't want to ever be in the position where like I'm, I'm reading the book and I think, Oh man, that would have been a way better choice. Why didn't they do that? You know what I mean? I don't want to be left yeah. feeling wanting for something different, but uh, Nolan's Jonathan's uh, story is, is short. It's a short story. Yeah. It's not a feature length. So yeah. I'm sure Chris took it and blew it wide open and turned yeah. it into something bigger. So may, he could have borrowed Christopher's words there. Who knows? Who knows? But it's a, great, that. it's a great scene. Absolutely. And uh, he even has even kind of a similar echo where he says like the pain, the pain that he carries is all he has left of him and yep. he doesn't want to let it go. Yep. Which is kind of the inverse of Memento because Leonard has the line where he says I keep, I keep, I keep forgetting to, or I keep, uh, damn it, I'm screwing it up now, and I, I really wish that wasn't so. I can't remember to forget you. Yeah. That's what he says, because yep. he wants to get better. He wants to heal, and he yeah. says, if I, have no, if I can't feel time, how can I get better? Yeah. Which is just such another terrifying concept all on its own. Absolutely. Thanks for the, the feedback, Jason. Yeah, yeah, thanks, Jason. We, we got you covered. Good to hear from you. Uh, and then we move on to Elsie. Also, thanks, Nancy. I didn't thank you. Yes, Nancy, thank you, Nancy, thank you as well. Hopefully, you didn't turn it off. That's <laughs> it. Uh, Elsie and Stubbs are, are tracking the stray still, and it seems like he is, uh, stuck in a crevasse. Um, crevasse. That's what I called it. Ah, yeah. that's very what fancy. I, that's what I thought it was. Uh. I say crevice. Crevice. Well, no, that's a different spelling. I crevasse. Think. Crevasse. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, and she, she <laughs> remarks that the host shouldn't care about the stars, but he carved Orion into these carvings, um, and then I guess we can just continue with that storyline. Stubbs goes down into the crevasse to recover the control unit. And uh, Elsie goes to call Bernard and be like, uh, there's something weird going on here. Meanwhile, Stubbs is just hacking this guy's head off to take that information back. And uh, the stray wakes up, climbs out of the crevasse, and then just destroys his own head with a big boulder. That was terrifying. So... Terrifying, <laughs> terrifying. Yeah, and you can, I, man, I love watching it on these on these uh, employees. I can't even think of a good word for them. Still, on their faces when they see this happening because they know it's not normal, and it it straight up attacks uh, Stubbs. Yeah, like it like I, disables him. Yeah, to I thought get it was gonna kill the... him. I was like, oh no, don't you kill Stubbs down in that crevasse? Yeah, that would be a bad way to go. <laughs> and what was really weird was the host, and I didn't think about it until we were talking about the start. He's like. He's like going like this as he's in there, like he's trying to reach something, and it's almost like he's trying to grasp at the stars, like he's trying to get out, yeah, and like grab at something way above him. It was really bizarre, like his his whole body language, everything he was up to. But then Elsie, uh, uh, yeah, the, the, the horror in her face, and she was like, "Oh shit, I cannot turn this thing off. Like, what's gonna happen?" Yeah, it was just great. Yeah, absolutely. No, that that was a very terrifying scene, and I, I'm very interested in figuring out what it meant, but. It's almost like he was trying to destroy his own. It's like he didn't want them to learn what was going on. Ah. Or, or he's been commanded to not let them that is understand that. That's what I got out of it. But I was like, but how? That's cool. And why? I took it. 
almost as like a, he's he's hearing the voice of God and he's just he's wants to the voices to get out of his head. Interesting. So he's just like trying to crush his head. That could be just as true. Oh man, I like your theory better though. Maybe it's both though. That's scary. Like maybe that's what it is. The voice of God commanding him, kill yourself, kill yourself. Like don't don't let them get it. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. <laughs> what's really what's really crazy about the show is like I feel like early on the the uh hosts were the sympathetic ones and I was like, Oh I don't want to see anything bad happen to the hosts and I was like, I don't care about the human characters yeah. which it wasn't really true but you know what i mean like they were kind of painted as almost the bad guys and now i don't want to see anything bad happen to them either and i'm kind of getting used to the, the idea of the hosts being machines and it's amazing how depending on who the episode is focusing a little bit more on is kind of who i'm a little bit more in line with yeah which is really interesting and plus i mean ford kind of gives you as if you were a reality check in this episode where he's like whoa come on they're not real these are machines <laughs> yeah which some people may watching may not agree with. You know, you may not fall in line with that with that notion. You may say, "Well, they're more than machines." Obviously, they feel they feel pain, they feel fear, and that kind of thing. And Ford says, "Well, it's because we tell them to." Yeah, but is it? You know? <laughs> yeah, there was somebody that that tweeted out something about how they couldn't, they just couldn't feel sympathetic towards these characters, and I was like, "Yeah, which I guess ones?" Toward, towards the the ro- the hosts. Oh, okay. And it's like, man, like. You're really missing out by not being able to like let that sit and ruminate with you. The yeah, idea I think it also like depending on how much you might buy into the idea that maybe our world is not so unlike theirs. Yeah, can you can you sympathize with that? But I also I would be interested if Lance is watching the show. Lance should be watching because I show. feel like if Lance is watching the show, he may not feel that connection as much as we do. Maybe from from things that we've discussed in the past, I think I think that could be the case. But I think it's it'd be interesting to watch. I mean, I think Blade Runner is kind of always the example I go to because I I love the way it presents that notion of what does it mean to be human, that sort of thing. But you know, do you sympathize for for Roy Batty and his companions in that movie? Yeah, but they have a whole other issue going on with where they they do remember everything and they know they have a time time limit. Yeah, and it's running out. So yeah, there's that too. Absolutely. Uh, so then we cut back to the Wyatt hunting. Pro- oh, I already went over that. Then uh, I guess the only stuff that we have left to talk about is Dolores. So Bernard chats with Dolores again. He wants to decide whether or not to remove consciousness from her, it, which is not explicitly stated, but that's what I took it as. To me, this is Bernard gets that word of caution from Ford and then is like, I need to figure out what I have to do with this. Like, I think he's already. The way that I read all of this was that Bernard has done the same thing that Arnold did and is trying to fake consciousness into these things. And he's been having this meeting with Dolores in order to enable that consciousness in her. That's interesting. And here's where he's deciding, do I let this keep going? Do I do I do I let go of my son as I teach him how to swim or do I hold on and not let him experience his own thing like that's what i got out of it that's some great writing yeah the parallel between his son swimming and everything yeah uh dolores thinks when she discovers who she is she'll be free but bernard analyzes that question and she says she doesn't know where it came from which is creepy (laughs) 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 and then uh bernard like it seems like bernard finishes the scene by thinking all right i'm just gonna let this run i'm gonna figure out what's going on here and and just see what happens let the let the story unfold dolores tells bernard that she'll stay on her loop 
And then it seemed to me like we see Bernard open the door and let Dolores walk away. When we were first seeing these interactions, these private meetings, I was like, how is this so private? Like, is some who is bringing Dolores without asking any questions to Bernard right. consistently? And it seems like she's been coming to them and leaving them on her own. Right, yeah. Which is strange. Yeah, it is interesting. That was another thing, too, I thought, why I thought the chronology was... I thought we were seeing all these see, these scenes in sequence. Like, it was one long session, but apparently it's not. It's a repeat yeah. session. It's like he's almost embedded something in her to come back and check in with him every 24 hours. Yeah. Um, it's funny, because I took the Bernard thing, and I could just be wrong and wasn't paying attention, but I took it as so much... He He's not trying to do what Arnold did. He just did it by accident. I think that Ar- the, yeah. Arnold, Arnold's goal was to create consciousness, which is what also kind of what reminds me of Bioshock in a way. He He's kind of this, I don't want to say madman, but he has this kind of madman's goal of playing God and creating mm-hmm. life. And I think Bernard just wanted to be really good at his job. And I think he's he's not so much a visionary, so to speak, like Arnold may have been as, as just a a geek like a pro- yeah. programmer who just really a loves tinker yeah he just loves machines and, and he wants to be as good because the way he the way he remarks um about God, i always forget her name but her her micro expressions when she's angry oh colin yeah. colin uh, i wanted to say colleen and i knew that wasn't it uh yeah colin he seems like he just wants he wants to make the perfect ai he wants to be really good and he he kind of wants ford's praise in a way like he wants ford to be like oh, that's an amazing job you've you've yeah. won up to everything we've ever done congratulations almost like he's kind of a surrogate father type situation but now their 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 relationship has shifted as well so maybe i don't necessarily believe in that so much well, anymore that, that, that i mean you might have been right about that and that's what bernard was thinking but i feel like that scene with ford in this episode basically was like a i know a reality check. ford is yeah. like i know what this place is it's not that we don't want to go there. Please don't think we should. Yeah, yeah. And then Bernard, thinking that he has let this thing develop, not necessarily created it, as you said, or, or made it just happen. Just stumbled upon it. Yeah. Maybe is, it was always there, and he has just, maybe it has suddenly been unlocked. He's removed those, of, like, safety checks or something. Or maybe he it. even hasn't, but some unknown third party has, has advanced things to this stage, and now Bernard is just witnessing it. He's witnessed the birth of, like sentience and yeah. he he's like oh fuck <laughs> what yeah. do i do do i tell my <laughs> boss or he's at this crossroads do i take the red pill or the blue pill do i see yeah. do i see what happens or do i do i call it off or do i go down the rabbit hole it's like exactly that scene from the matrix Absolutely. which is also a reference to also <laughs> yeah. like what do i want to do and then be the tinkerer in him which is a great way to describe it yeah uh is is what he gives into and says i want to see what happens i want to yep. play it out because i'm bored it's like jurassic park <laughs> let's see what happens <laughs> Yeah, so, um, and then finally, so we see Dolores back in Sweetwater. She sees the man who came to town uh, to get back up for Wyatt and is like, uh, what's going on here? And the man who came back to town is like, I I don't think there's any hope for anybody who went out there to track Wyatt, which makes her very sad. Uh, but then Dolores heads home to uh, check in with her dad, and of course the same storyline is playing through where the... the uh, robbers are you know invading her house and and kill her father and she looks at her father dead on the ground and sees the barkeep that we saw in the pilot but then it f- glitches to peter abernathy mm-hmm. the, the the lewis hertham the actor lewis hertham rock star lewis hertham yes um rebus uh basically goes to rape dolores but she starts remembering the man in black and she hears the do you remember and she ends up pulling 
does she pull his gun? I think so. I think she I think snaked they, it out of his holster. Yeah, when he I was think dragging you hear her. it. He like throws her into the hay pile, and you hear the effect of like the gun unholstering. I think, and then she kind of holds it up, and Rebus is like, uh, "It seems like you're having trouble." And then she finally overcomes her programming and kills this other host. Yep. Um. So then Dolores runs back out of the barn and remembers herself getting shot by the same person in the past. So yep. she runs off, hops on a horse, tries to get away before that happens. Then we cut to Logan and William camping in the woods. This is where Logan says something about playing white hat. Mm-hmm. He says, I can't believe we're paying $40,000 a day just to jerk off alone in the woods playing white hat. I think is what I think that's almost what he says. Uh, that's cool. So... And then Dolores shows up, rides up on her horse, and ends up fainting in William's arms. That's the episode. Aye. Uh, I think I just want to cut into our spoiler Terry here. Let's do it. So if you do not want to hear crazy, wild speculation stuff, this is where you stop, and we'll see you next week or talk to you next week. If not, please continue listening. I think all of that stuff with... Bernard happening upon the consciousness. I feel like everything Dolores did here, the way that we see Dolores in all of this, deconfirms the fact that William may be in the past. To me, the way that it's laid out, it just does not feel like that is possible anymore. Because of... And somebody somebody on the subreddit is like, yeah, but she just kind of rolls up. We don't know if she's actually coming from her house at the end or not, but... Obviously, it's edited to be that way, so maybe they're really covering their tracks, and they're way good at it, and I'm just going to be completely blown away when it turns out that that's true. I think Dolores learning consciousness, getting away, like, it, it, just that final scene tells me that she has been influenced, she has that con- uh, that consciousness, she's remembered the man in black to get away from that situation and then end up in William's arms. That's what, to me tells me that he's in the current timeline however he and logan are still really weirdly disconnected from everything else happening it's true i i really i can't weigh in one way or the other i'm not really sure i just watched it and i i immediately like like you said i can see what the reddit user is saying and i can see what you're saying and clearly we are set up to believe it's happening at the same time but maybe maybe this is the grand introduction of the man in black to dolores we don't really know yeah so i'm anxious to learn more what if it's some crazy time loop that the man in black in the future made it happen in the past and blah, blah, blah. Maybe the man in black is a is a host, too, put in there by Ford. We don't really, we don't really yeah. know. Because I, I, I like, it reminded me of the man in black talking about how it's a game and, and he wants to get to the end of the game and that sort of thing. And yeah. Dolores' uh, moments where she's remembering and she has, a, she has kind of a fork in the road and does she get raped and killed by Stephen Ogg or does she shoot him? She yeah. chooses to shoot him. Okay, it's like a choose your own adventure book. Flip to page 31. Page 31. Dolores goes to the porch. Here comes a guy who says, hey you and has a gun. What does she do? Does she get shot get in the shot gut? Or does, she get away? or does she get away? She chooses to run away. Go to page 80. She goes to page 80. Here's William. Or, <laughs> or whatever's next. Like It reminds me of there's a series of choices in it. It reminds me of a video game like like a like a simple old video game like Mario where you're running and you know that the guy's going to come out of that corner because you've been killed by him before. <laughs> yeah. So you jump sooner. You get rid of that guy. Cool. Go to the next part. 
Oh, you fell down a pit. Sorry. Go back. Okay, now you still got to jump when that guy's there, and now you got to dodge this pit. It's such a tried and true video game mechanic that I like the idea that she's able to tap into these previous memories of previous instances and how it didn't turn out right and make the right choice. It's essentially like the Prince of Persia stands the time. Yeah, and it's kind of like Run Lola Run too. Like yeah. things are things are she's making choices and and I don't know if Dolores is going to end up getting to the end of the game so to speak. Like is there is there a place ultimately where she can wind up that's already been I don't really know. I just like the idea that these these hosts in a way already know what's going to happen to them, but it's kind of miraculous there are so many thousands of other things that could happen where they might not even get to that point in the first place that it just blows yeah. my mind to think about this crazy web of choices and her even getting to the barn to be able to be put in a position to make that choice is contingent on her making other choices and other characters making those choices and like because teddy's not there she's able to get to that place because teddy would normally be the one i think to take the bullets or, or kill the kill the bad guys like he did last time because he does save her the first time but then the man in black rolls up right and starts yeah. killing kills teddy mm-hmm. man <laughs> it's crazy it's crazy Absolutely. this is no. this this choose your own ending the, book is like the phone book <laughs> times 10 yeah it's the like physician's desk complexity reference. <laughs> yeah. is it's amazing yeah yeah great stuff yep I like this episode way more than I thought I did when we were talking about it. I, I realized all these ways that it made my thinking go in different directions, and yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't uh, appreciate it for that the first time. Yeah, I, I will say, and I, as I said, I'm not going to spoil anything on the next time on, but I think there's something very interesting going to happen in the next episode. Did you watch the sneak peek? Or? I did. Oh, okay, I, did. I didn't. I did. I did. Should I? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, maybe I you guess, should just be in the dark I guess for the I next just hang five in days. There for, yeah, yeah, a couple days. Yeah, but oh God, the show's so good. It is. Well, once again, you can find more of our episodes at Westworld.fm. We're also on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play Music, and many other places. Just search your favorite podcatcher, Westworld FM. We should be on there. We're also Westworld FM on Twitter, and you can email us like and or Anna and. Uh, Nancy and Jason all did at westworldfm at gmail.com to tell us what you think of our show and share your thoughts on HBO's Westworld so we can read them on air. Send us corrections, observations, or anything regarding Westworld or our podcast. The Midwest Podcast Network also has a video game podcast called the Midwest Game Nerds Podcast. You can check that out at midwestgamenerds.com. And we've also just launched a new show called Horror Movie Yearbook. If you are into horror movies and you want to hear more about the culture and things that have influenced them and uh, how they have influenced the culture around them, go to horrormovieyearbook.com or search for that in your favorite podcatcher as well. It's great. It's really good. If you like movies and you like history, like I do, listen to it. That's very good. Uh, So that's it for our episode this week. We're excited for the next episode, and we'll have another episode of our podcast out after that. But until then, may you rest and have a deep and dreamless slumber. We love you. We do. Thank you.